speaking on time to go for a walk. And uh, as I was preparing, and I just want to point out, so I don't usually pick people out. I was preparing a sermon about a guy called Peter Fowles, a fisherman, and he responded. And as I was ministering just now, I seen Peter Lap come out, he can, was a fisherman. He responded, and God just sometimes gives you signs. And they said, oh, that's about one guy, that's fine. But sometimes God just gives you signs that we're on the right track. Like the chances of that is pretty, pretty slim. And I was speaking this morning, I was responding to the gospel of Jesus. How God can take somebody unlikely and change them and use them for his plan and his purposes and how it pertains to us. In Mark chapter 1, and this is mentioned in every gospel, it just says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. They were fishermen. They fished for a living. Jesus called to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. I'll say that again. These people, James, Andrew, Simon, John, were fishermen. They were gone. They're in road in life. We have the expression, they were mining their own business, doing their thing. And Matthew, it speaks about how they was fishing all night, didn't they catch a thing? Then Jesus shows up and says, cast your nets to the other side. And sometimes Jesus will allow us to fail at something we're really good at before he leads us to himself and the miracles that he beholds. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Son of God. Jesus that was going to be a religious leader. Could have went to the synagogues for people who had more religious backgrounds. He could have went to the priests, the people that was maybe waiting in expectation for a Savior, for the Messiah to be born. Yet he came. And he came a seashore, and he came a fisherman, and he came of the ordinary, and he came as somebody that had no background over the scriptures. He came of the uneducated. He came of the downtrodden. He came of the people that were feeling distant and feeling hopeless before God. And he stood on the seashores, and he shouted, Hey! This is the gospel. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. He was going to show the world what he could do with a simple fisher folk. Isn't it astounding how little information 
Jesus gave Peter, James, John, and Andrew before he says, come, follow me, and I will make you. Very little explanation that he was Messiah, that he was Savior, that he was going to the cross. Very little explanation of God's ultimate redemption plan through himself. Yet Jesus turns up and says, hey guys, let's go for a walk. Let's walk with me. Learn from me. Leave everything. I'll show you how to fish for people. Your history is maybe one thing, but your destiny could be another thing. Come follow me. And yet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gives every single person an opportunity in here to say, hey, let's go for a walk. Do you want to follow me? Near a certain religion? Near just a certain pathway or morals? Or would you follow me? And Peter says that he left his nets that were full of fish, gave up his career to follow Jesus. Illogical. I think of this story, and I wonder, Peter was married because Jesus went and healed his mother-in-law of a fever. I wonder how that conversation went down in his household. He made a decision without consulting. He didn't run him first and say, right wife, let's sit down, make sure we had kids, or let's make a logical decision. Jesus says, let's go for a walk. Follow me. And he said, yes, I am going. He left his career. He left his income. He left other people on the boat that he was probably friendly with to follow Jesus. Well, I wonder how I went doing as he. The journey between impulse and explanation can be a difficult journey. I've said this before about shopping in Lidl's, right? I can go, well, we're running out of milk, Isabel, I want Lidl's for milk, and you can go for milk. And then, middle at Lidl. You're there, and suddenly impulse kicks in, and you think, oh, really, a circular saw would be really handy for me just now. Like if I've got a door to cut, I can try and pay somebody £35 an hour to do it, but if I've got my own circular saw, I can try it myself. Buy a guy a fish, I'll feed him for a day train them how to fish, you'll feed them for a lifetime. You think, if I get the equipment, suddenly I'm standing in the middle of Lidl thinking, that's quite a good price for a circular saw. And you grab it, and then you go and think, ooh, slushy maker. Oh, it's coming at springtime, it's going then the beauty garden, and the blue slushy guy's almost singing at you, buy me, buy me, buy me, and you think, whoa. Yeah, out in the back garden in the summer with her, we had the, had the slushy flavors, drinking for a straw in a cup. 
it's quite a good price for a slushy maker. And you Google it, that's actually quite a good price for a slushy maker. Let's go for that. And then you become a quackbuster waffle maker. And you think, okay, that sounds good, and I'm hungry. Let's go for the waffle maker and the pancake maker. And you went to Impulse and you bought it. But the journey between Lidl's and the house can be, oh, no, I'll buy the money now. How am I going to explain this to Isabel? As I walk in, we have a slushy maker, a circular saw, and a waffle maker. And it sounded really convincing when I was in an impulse in Lidl's. And sometimes I hide the shop and there's a gun in the door. I think I'll explain this later. And it seemed an awful good reason in Lidl's. But coming through the threshold of the door, you think maybe you'll have made a tremendous mistake. Because I kind of first thing she'll say is, "Where's the milk?" <laughs> Aye, that's why I was in Liddles. And the second thing she'll probably say, "Do we really need that? Think about it. You are a dangerous guy. We are credit card in Liddles. Because I mark impulsive decisions, and between impulse and explanation, it seems different." And you get Peter, Jesus turns up and says, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Something happened in Peter's heart that says, yes. He would maybe been disgruntled at the fishing for a while. Maybe God behind the scenes was getting him fed up with his life. And maybe when he heard Jesus and he seen Jesus and Jesus did a miracle and gave him a miracle catch of fish. Something in his heart leapt and thinks, so Jesus said, follow me, just like, that's what I have been waiting for. I'm sick of the fishing. I'm sick of just doing the normal job. I need something greater in my life, and Jesus offered it. But I tell you something, I wonder how that conversation went on behind the scenes, because he didn't really have a lot to go on. In terms of maybe what his wife was looking for, to say, right, say our name is Sally. Right, Sally, I've, uh, I've left my job. Okay, you've left your income. I would put food on the table. She may be said, I've never got any scripture reference for us, fit is this Jesus offering you in terms of stability? Because you have left a stable job, now you're just following a person called Jesus. What does he offer you? And Peter would have to say, I, actually, he didn't really offer me much to do with salary and stability, but there was something about him. Solid, and he says, okay, unless this guy can multiply bread and fishes, we've got problems. Peter didn't care if it was to, to happen. It's he offering you in terms of education is a like it's a pension plan here. It's a future for the household with this guy called Jesus and Pia would have to say I've got no answers for all that but I have met somebody worth following. When Jesus says come follow me he means it for you. And sometimes saying yes looks entirely illogical. 
Saying yes to Jesus doesn't always look like the sensible option. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't always look like the popular common sense move that people will understand, pat you in the back and say, yeah, we fully understand what Jesus offers you. You go for it, guy. You go for it, girl. We're always looking for the logicalness behind our decisions to follow Jesus, yet Jesus says us, will you follow me? Full stop. Whether you can work it out, whether it goes beyond your reason, whether I did not offer you health, wealth, and prosperity, will you follow me? Because I'm me, and I'm worthy to be followed because I am Savior, I am King, and I am Lord. An illogical decision, but let's see if it happens with Peter. Because he goes home and he says, he says, I need to follow Jesus. Look at his journey. Look what happened with Peter. He walked with Jesus. He spoke to Jesus. He was there at the feeding of the 5,000. He seen the signs, wonders, and the miracles. He went in a boat during a storm. sees Jesus walking on water and why the rest of the living disciples are so scared. Jesus, Peter shouts out, if this is you, Jesus, allow me to walk on the water as well. And Jesus says, it is I. Peter gets his foot out the boat. Starts floating on water towards Jesus and then sets his eyes upon the storm, starts to sink and says, save me. Jesus says, your story is not what I end yet, Peter. He drags him up. Peter's story is an amazing story. He was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. He seen Jesus change before their eyes. Jesus invited him in to a room that was prepared for a dead girl. And he says, ah, oh, the funeral procession out. says to Peter, James and John. You guys come in. I want to show you something amazing. Takes a man and says to a dead girl, Tabitha, Talum, arise. Dead girl walkings up, and then Jesus presents her back to a loving family, and there's a celebration. Peter, through an illogical, irrational, impulsive decision, sees so many signs, so many wonders and miracles. Oh, but his story is not a perfect story. He said he would never deny Jesus. Yet at the point of crucifixion, he denied him three times, the rooster crows. He goes out and weeps like a baby. Yet, the story doesn't end there. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter felt like an outcast, out with the disciples, and the resurrected Jesus turns up and says, God, tell my disciples and Peter that I am alive. Peter comes back into the fold after being distant, yet a man with no vision will always return to his past, and then Peter starts fishing again. The same thing happens. He stops catching, and then Jesus turns up on the seashores again. Peter's looking for fish. Jesus is eating a fish sandwich. And says, how are you getting on, Peter and the guys? We're going to caught caught on a thing. And what they are looking for, Jesus has got in his hands. Everything that we are looking for in life and we're feeling hopeless, Jesus has got in his hands. 
We're not catching fish. We're looking for hope. We're looking for victory. We're looking for freedom. It's not working. Jesus was reminding his disciples, what are you all looking for? I've got prepared. Peter was looking for fresh fish. Jesus had come find cooked fish. Listen, guys, just set your nets on the other side. They set their nets on the other side. Another miraculous catch of fish. Peter immediately recognizes the dawn. I know the story from before. This is Jesus on the seashore again. Peter doesn't care at this time about walking on water. It says that he just threw off everything, starts swimming. He says they had a barbecue, a great time of fellowship and eating. And Jesus was like back with his pals, the disciples. Reinstating them, Peter, do you love my Peter? Do you love my Peter? Do you love my feed my sheep? Feed my sheep? Feed my sheep? And he was there in the upper room. He'd heard the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he was waiting. And then the fire of God came upon Peter. He says he put his best foot forward, and he explains the gospel as the Holy Spirit empowered him. Then the Holy Spirit fell on people. Three thousand people got saved. Hallelujah! And many more. And Peter gave the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter, a fisherman, no historical background or being educated in religion, then gave the world first Peter, second Peter, so much rich in hope and theology about salvation. Look what Jesus did with a man that said yes. Look what Jesus can do with an uneducated person that said yes. And you might have been brought up right in the faith. I should give you hope if Jesus can do this for an uneducated fisherman that didn't care one thing about the coming Messiah, that can care about men and nets, then the Word of God he can do it for us, and He can do it for you, and He can do it for me. Jesus simply continued and pursued Peter with this: "While you follow me." The heart of the gospel is a continual heart cry for Jesus to his people to say, well, you follow me. It might not sound logical. It might sound crazy. It might sound impulsive. But look what Jesus did with a man called Peter. We've got to skip forward to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus said, it started, just come for a walk with me. Just, just, just walk with me, Peter. Just walk with me. The heartbeat of heaven to his people is just walk with me. That's the expectation that we would walk with Jesus. Verse 17, this story has always astounded me. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, and man, you can see us through the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this very same story. Another place is it's called the rich young ruler. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked. He's acknowledging that Jesus is greater. He's kneeling. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? As Christians, we see eternal life, not just something that awaits, but something that we can experience our life through Jesus now. 
the hope that is yet to come, the life that is yet to come, can be experienced certainly in part now. Let's name this guy's question. This guy's question is about eternal destination. Heaven, we Yahweh, hell, without Yahweh, forever. Heaven, the place of bless, eternal joy, eternal love, every good thing that you see in this world multiplied by the power of eternity awaits in heavenly places. People will go there and spend eternity and they're coming back and reliving their life. This guy is asking the question that is on a lot of people's lips. How do I get to heaven? Or how do I escape hell? Hell is a place of eternal distance for God. God doesn't send you there by you saying, on this life, I don't want nothing to do with you, God. When you breathe your last breath, if that's your decision, God will say, okay, I'll take you to your word. But it's for eternity. You, you didn't want me in this life. You've said you didn't want me. You've heard the gospel. You've turned your back. That's your eternal decision. It's serious business, isn't it? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's now, well, just come to church or, or did not come to church. It's, but this guy is asking, how do I get to heaven? How do I escape the torments of hell? This is Jesus' response. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. I think Jesus said, you come, you came here, you knelt before me, you come a teacher, you come a good, are you, do you think I'm a teacher or do you think I'm a good God? So Jesus trying to navigate, I mean, if you're saying I'm good, are you saying I'm also God? If you're saying I'm God, you need to listen to what I'm saying. But to answer your question about how do you get to eternal life in heaven, he's came to Jesus as a teacher, what and learned, and so Jesus gives them the law. You know the commandments. It seems to be Jesus knows this guy. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone, honor your fa father and mother. Jesus just gives them a last. Do not do that. Do not do that. Do not do that. Do not do that. Do do that. You've kept them looking for a wire life. Here's a wire life. Teacher, the man replied. I have obeyed everything, all these commandments, since I was young. So this guy has been more obedient than you, been more obedient than me. He's followed the law since a young age. I've obeyed everything since I was young. I've learned the ways, I've walked in the ways. You think, well, why is he coming to Jesus asking, how do I get to heaven? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Jesus wants him to be part of his disciples. There is still one thing, just one thing you haven't done, but there's only one. Yes, you've did all that, but you can do all that and lack one thing. You could have been the perfect child. You could have tithed. You could have gave to the poor. You could have helped the homeless. You could have done loads of charity work. You could have followed the law, followed the moral commands. Yet Jesus says, there's still just one thing you haven't done. So close, yet so far. He told them, go and sell your possessions. Give money to the poor. You will have treasures in heaven. Then come. 
fiat. He says, let's go for a walk. And you will be riches in heaven forevermore. And you will be longer dead than you will ever be alive. One thing. He never said those three things. This is three steps. He says this to the guy. He doesn't say at Aberdeen, look, before you say yes to me, go him, sell all your property, give you the poor, then follow me. He says it to the guy because Jesus was wanting him to follow him without distraction. If he just followed him and had all that stuff, he would have been distracted. But Jesus says you lack one thing there, three things. It looks like three steps. We could say, if Jesus says you lack three things, first thing is you're greedy. Go sell all your stuff. Second thing is, give the poor. The third thing is, then once you've done that, follow me. If I was preaching the law, I could say, look, before you come to Jesus, look, just need to go deal with some stuff and come back. But God is a God of grace. He's a God of wonder. He's a God of compassion. He says, there's just one thing you lack. Do forever needs done so that you can then walk with me as Peter walks with me, as John walks with me. This guy could have been a disciple. Jesus says, and he didn't offer it to a lot of people. If you read the Gospels, he only said to a small number of people, come, walk with me, follow me. And he says to this guy that had everything, one thing you lack just one follow me walk with me verse 22 at this man at this the man's face fell he went away sad for he had many possessions you see Peter's story illogical to begin with but you see how he journeyed with Jesus. You see the miracles that happened. We see his horror story as a denial. Yet we see his restoration. We see I'm preaching the gospel. We see I'm at the upper room. The last thing we hear about this guy is that he was sad. And he left sad. And Jesus never chased him. Jesus never begged him. Jesus took him at his word. Okay, you go. This guy made a really logical decision. I really thought it through and thought, hold on. If it happens to my mansion on this earth, if it happens to my possessions, I'm not ready for this. So it's got to be, I know Jesus. I wonder how he felt. There's no other biblical scriptures that mentions this guy he would have went back to his mansion he would have lived life for himself maybe he had kids and grandkids maybe his kids would ask him in years to come I hear about this guy called Jesus he got crucified and they say he rose again a rich young ruler in his mansion he's probably a rich old ruler yeah I didn't need that oh happened, Granda. Just logic. Who's that I'm going to give his inheritance? I'll be proud of me. I kept it. 
pockets of gold. You, I was just thought it through and I thought it was too risky. And then I hear about him again. This guy say his name was Colin. Could have heard about him following Jesus. Could have been Colin that walked on the water. Could have been Colin there at the crucifixion. It could have been Colin that Jesus washed his feet at the Last Supper. Could have been many things wrought about him. He could have been there at the crucifixion, there at the resurrection, there at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He could have gave us one calling, two calling, three calling. It could have been part of the scriptures, yet nothing happened with him or on irrelevance to deal with the kingdom whatsoever, for he made a logical decision. And yet Jesus stands before each one of us and says, Well, you walk with me. That's it. That's the Jesus life. Walking with Jesus. Walking him in trembling and fear and in weakness and in humility. Good seasons and bad seasons. It goes back to our point. If you make a faith move and say, I'll follow Jesus. I go back as I was reflecting on this story go back to 2002 and I seen, said yes to Jesus and the odds were stacked up against me as they were stacked up against you it was a completely illogical decision period I was at in my life I just wanted my life to get a bit better and I go back to that decision and I think I would Peter and I'm certainly a, a Peter but I'm so glad I didn't become a rich young ruler. We all get the same choice. And I was so, so close to saying no. I was so close to thinking I'm just here for some clean time. I'll just go back. I just want to blend in with society. I just want to live a normal life. And I wonder as I review my history, what would it look like if I'd said no to Jesus through an attitude or logic? Things I've seen, the stories I could tell, just on a moment, that could have, destiny could have been so different if I had said, as I was presented with the gospel of Jesus, if I had just said, hmm, I'm 19, I've got a lot of plans that I want to live before I go to church on Sunday. No. And went my merry way. And it scares me to think I could have said no. If I were your story, is your review, and you maybe haven't even given your life to Jesus yet, the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. But as I've been studying this, I have had a fresh appreciation for this, being saved and walking with Jesus. And this week has been a, a week of trials. It's been a week I felt a bit dry as a Christian. Yet when I consider that I could have lost everything to do with eternal life in the kingdom 
I think, hallelujah, Jesus. I'm still walking with you. I may be crawling. I may be on my knees. I may be weary. I may be weak. I may be tired. But I'm still walking. I may be on the mountaintop. I may be on the valley. But you're still walking with Jesus. As you review your story, you might say, well, my mom and dad was a Christian. I was brought up in a faith. It was an easy yes. I want to tell you, even from that great privileged vantage point, many people have said, that's not for me. Jesus is not for me. We've seen people come through powerhouse youth and just say, at a point in their life, it's just not for me. It's not for me. I'm going in a different gone in a different direction. And this might sound like a gospel message for them that are here first time to say, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow him? I'm not going to give you much, but say, will you follow Jesus? Will you say yes to him? But it's also for them that have been saved 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years to say, Wow. I'm so glad I said yes to Jesus. Because as the books of life are revealed, really didn't want the story of the rich young ruler that had everything, yet Jesus would say you had nothing. You lacked one measly thing. You lacked one thing. He did this. He didn't commit murder. He didn't commit adultery. You give to the poor. You did, oh, that's all, that's all, that's all. That's one thing. And you says... Imagine when he meets Jesus face to face. Sorry, you said no. I gave you the answer for eternal life and all the wealth of this world that you cared for is gone on the basis of that decision. You're better a poor man and a beggar that follows Jesus. Come through that pearly gates into eternal life for the sea is like crystal glass that there's a tree of life that feeds the nations by the fruit and by the leaves that there's multitudes of angels dancing and singing crying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. One day you will review your life and say I am so glad that I said yes to Jesus and I could have said no. And I'm so glad that I'll face him as a friend because I could face him as an enemy. And Jesus only asks, well, you walk with me. And he says to Peter, you walk with me. That's your commitment. I will make you an official of men. What gospel? We follow, he makes. As we walk with Jesus and we commit, we are the baggage. Bear in mind, after I got saved, sorry, I didn't get saved an angel. I still made mistakes. I still had language problems, <laughs> severe language problems. Now that I was studying French, and I could only speak French, like 
cursing and swearing, language problems, right? Walking with Jesus. Sorry, I didn't want to hear this in church, right? But I was still walking with Jesus. And as I walked with Jesus, Jesus, my commitment is following. Jesus' commitment to you is making you what he needs to make you. Follow me, we'll just walk. And I will make you an official man. He says to Peter, your responsibility is following me, be for I'm at. But then he, says to G- then he says to Peter, my responsibility towards you is I'm going to make you be the person. I'm going to fashion you into the person I need you to be. You just work. So I review my spiritual life. It's like this. I walk with Jesus in weakness. I've never in any shape of the imagination been a perfect Christian. He's a perfect one. You read the word of God, sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it really doesn't make sense, but I just keep walking. As we keep walking, as we keep praying, we just didn't give up. He, he works in you and makes you the Christian he needs to make you for your severe influence. You want to be a better husband, I promise you this, you only got to be a better husband by you trying to be a better husband. You will become a better husband by following Jesus. I didn't get a lot of amens there, right? I'll try again. You become a better husband by you following Jesus. Because Jesus says, I will make you what you need to be. Now, it's not you just got to read your Bible once and then hour night and then, ah, I'm a perfect husband. It's a process. You want to be a perfect wife? You want to be a perfect, a perfect, you want to be a daughter that you want to be that glorifies God? Walk with Jesus, and he will make you the daughter you need to be that glorifies Jesus. No Christian is a self-made Christian. We walk, he makes. We walk, he makes. We walk, he changes us. We walk, he fashions us. We are the clay, he is the potter. And the only thing I want this morning is a bunch of people that will say, hey, I still want to just go for a walk with Jesus. If there are other years, if there are other upset, if there are other grief, if there are other heartache, if there are other triumphs, if there are other unanswered prayer, are the answered prayer, are the feeling and worship of the divine presence, no, just be a people that would walk with Jesus. Will you follow him this morning? Will you follow him afresh? Will you allow him to fulfill his promise in your life to make you the person that he wants you to be? I'll close with this scripture. This scripture made no sense to me until reflection. It's a well-known scripture. It's a scripture that's found in bookmarks, so forth. Isaiah 40, 31. I got this in a bookmark when I was in Team Challenge with my granny. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run, but they will not grow weary. They will walk, and they shall not faint. When I used to read this, 
I used to think that God maybe had it run the wrong way. That surely you walk before you run, you run before you glide. Would that be fair to say? In the process of our natural life, the first thing you learn to do is walk. And if people say, learn to walk before you run, and then you run. And then if you were going to have to fly, you'd have to be after that. You'd run at a certain speed like an airplane. And you'd be off. I used to think, well, that's me. If it, Isaiah says, he says, first thing that he says, you will soar high on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. And the last thing is, you will walk and not grow faint. Again, this week I've been reviewing my spiritual life. And then I can reflect exactly how it was written here. That I started off soaring like an eagle. Yeah, right the first day you got saved, for them that were saved, you soared, didn't you? You became born again. And you were like, wow, I am flying. I'm getting high on the most high. I haven't felt high like this before. I am gliding like an eagle. Father of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And it was I knew, and the Bible was fresh and alive and new. And I was soaring, and I was highlighting my Bible in every page was highlighted as Ahim became new and I started soaring. Now at a time, I'd still had a lot going on in my life in the process, but I was a, I was a soarer. How many relate to this? You, you become alive and you think, wow, well, I'm soaring. I am flying. I'm never going back to planet Earth. And then you get a bit grounded and then it's running. You were all soaring wings like eagles. You could get saved this morning and soar on wings like eagles. You could get baptized in the Holy Spirit fresh for the first time as well and soar on wings like eagles. That is the experience. You think of the prodigal son coming home, the euphoria of the party. It's soaring time. You just, I just wanted to get him and tell Abdi about Jesus. I wrote my dad a letter and said, hey, I became a Christian. I fell in love with Jesus and I'm sorry for the mess I used to mark God, uh, dad, and because I've asked Jesus for forgiveness, I need to ask you for forgiveness as well. I was just like on a rampage to tell people about Jesus. I was soaring. And then you get a bit more grounded and then you start running. But you're still accelerating. It's a period in my life that I read a lot of books, a lot of testimony books, and I just felt my life for theology books, and I was a keen learner. The only thing we run in is you expect other people to keep up, and it's an acceleration. You'll hear the prophets say this a year of acceleration. And you accelerate in the things of God. The only problem is we run in, you do get exhausted. You just kind of keep it up. You get other things in your life. And you also experience in the running tiredness and fatigue. Sometimes it ends in, ends in burnout. And then you will walk and not grow faith. I think that's as far I'm at today. I just want to walk with Jesus. Like in a hear the, the, the wonder of the stories and the prophet said, this is a year of acceleration. This is a year of soaring. This is a year of greater things or speed and acceleration. And my heart, I'm like, I just want to walk. <laughs> The miracle, did I miss the miracle? Was just walking 
Jesus and not growing weary. This might be a year of acceleration in the spirit. It might be a year of revival. It might be a year of people get saved this year than the last 10 years. Okay. Praise God. For me, I came to the realization the beauty or the wonder of just walking with Jesus at a very slow pace. And you get a dunt in life and you just, oh, I'm just going to keep walking. Something blinds, I'm just going to keep, got to be somebody that just keeps walking. And the triumphs, wow. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that you would keep walking and not grow faint. And ask the worship team to come up. Jesus turns up. While you walk, while you walk with me, I'll make it the limelight like Peter. I'm so glad my story is not like the rich young ruler either. Not a temporal wealth, just got to me absolutely nothing. Who said no? Savior that says, well, you walk with me. And the gospel message is extremely simple. It's Jesus saying, will you walk with me? And it's you saying yes. It's you defying the statistics. It's you defying the logic of what that means. It's you in the face of impending persecution can you tell the family I became a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower. What's the best decision you can ever make? And for the Christian, I just want to tell you, the miracle of walking. Keep walking, you good and faithful servant of the Lord. Keep walking in spite of hardship, in spite of pain. Just keep walking. Let's stand a moment. We're going to pray. And if you're making a decision this morning, I just want to follow Jesus. After the service, would you come and speak to us? And we would lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you're saying yes to Jesus, I want to follow Jesus. Sometimes we do it during the service, and our people prefer a private leading to the Lord then I'll leave this service if you do not follow Jesus and just say no you've heard the follow up of what that might look like and you might never ever ever get another opportunity to say yes and for them that follow Jesus the encouragement is you just hear us this morning. Keep going for a walk. Keep speaking to him. And he will speak to you. Go for a walk. Tell him that you love him. And listen for his response. Know that you're in a relationship with him. And as you walk, you give him your burdens. 
tell him that you're annoyed with some things in life, for he is a burden bearer. And as you walk, he will change you. He will transform you. If you are lacking wisdom, you ask him for wisdom, and he will bestow on you the wisdom of heaven. If you feel bound by an addictive habit, you walk with Jesus. You say, Jesus, I feel bound. Feel trapped, but I know you can set me free. And Jesus says, Keep on following. And now you give up. As you walk, I will make. As you walk, I'll set you free. As you walk, my power will come upon you. He might not tell you the moment to the very second that happens. But as you walk, He will change you. Keep on walking with Jesus. And Jesus will pray for everybody in here to recognize the miracle of it is to simply walk with Jesus Christ. We thank you for we see it. People saved. We see the acceleration. We see the floating. We see him rising like on wings like eagles. And our prayer for them is that in five years' time, they're still walking with Jesus. Our prayer for them is that in 10 years' time, they know if it is to walk with Jesus. Our prayer for them is that as they close their eyes and say goodbye to this side for eternity, and they close their eyes and say, I am still walking with Jesus. Teach us for it is to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship him. Let's give him everything. If you want to give your life to Jesus, come and see us. We'll lead you in the wonderful prayer for salvation as we take up our tithes and offerings.